Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here again with another guest. And today I'm here with Susan Schwartz. Say hello, Susan for people who are listening and not watching. (laughs) Hello, and thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad to have you on. Susan is located in Arizona, and Susan is a psychologist. Um, I will put, obviously, all of the information in the description. She's a Jungian um, analyst, a clinical psychologist. She works with clinical psychology. And she has a recent book and will... I'd like to talk about that right off, but first let me say that she has written chapters in Jungian Jungian, um, psychology books, and obviously um, people who work in the field of research uh, journal articles in different um, journals. So let's talk about your book. The title is The Absent Father Effect on Daughters, Father Desire, Father Wounds. What is it about? Well, it's about what we had mentioned Mm -hmm. when you and I were chatting just a bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And it relates back to something which really has kind of defined Jungian psychology. Well, a couple of things. One is the term archetype, which actually means many different things. Well, tell us what that means generally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, right. And it fits with why it is an important topic and why now. Mm -hmm. So we could say that the archetype is kind of a way that we learn how to be. We're kind of born with a chip that says there's a father somewhere. Mm -hmm. So we would say from the very beginning in our bodies and in our psyches, there's a desire for the father. Mm -hmm. If the father is not there, you feel it physically and psychologically. So the archetype is a physical, it's also psychological, and it's also transgenerational. Wait, now that's an important concept. <clears throat> when yes. we, we talk about archetypes, it is more or less, we could define it as a universally recognized sim- image of something. How would you more specifically define it? I think you said it very well. The specificity of it is how it comes out with each person. Right. Give us an example. Yeah, so here's an example. Um, 
different people that I have worked with, it's not unusual, they have an absent father, which is kind of too bad. That is mm -hmm. uh, not unusual. How each person will react, there will be a reaction. Mm -hmm. You could almost say an archetypal reaction because there's a reaction to loss. Mm -hmm. Each one will respond differently. Mm -hmm. So some will respond with, they will turn against themselves in anger or rage. They will be defiant in society. They will have difficulty with relationships. Some will be highly creative mm -hmm. with the absence and the loss. Some will find themselves as they go into the wounds, mm -hmm. but they will all feel that there is something lacking. Now, and when that just, lacking... Excuse me, hold yeah. on to that lacking. Yeah. When you speak of going into the wounds, what exactly yeah. does that look like for you as a psychologist? What do you see in yeah, person? Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me say as well, I would say as an analyst, I'm going into it. The difference is I would go into it, this is how I view it, mm -hmm. in quite a deeper way. I want to see how the father image or how the hurt and the wound and the loss and lack come out in dreams, okay. come out in relationships, mm -hmm. come out in the therapy with me, how it, because it appears everywhere, right. the lack. It's how one learns to deal with it. So it's not destructive, but constructive. So you go into it by going into yourself mm -hmm. and realizing the things that were unconscious. How destructive could things be uh, when they come out? Destructive in terms of, um, I don't want to talk about suicide, but actually physically destructive, mentally? I mean, how, how could, what does it look like sometimes? Yeah, I think that it, we, we could say until it comes out mm -hmm. and is made conscious, it becomes destructive. Ah. Um, you see, so once it starts to come out, then the destruction is something that will not roll back inside. Right, in so it's fading way. in the background. Mm -hmm. Right. I give you a little example. Okay. Um, okay. Someone that I, this is not unusual, uh, but a little bit of an extreme. Okay. So somebody has just been in an abusive relationship, mm -hmm. and it was very frightening, right. to the point where that that woman had to leave. Mm -hmm. As we began speaking about it, she put together that she was in a abuse, an abusive and emotionally awful relationship, besides mm -hmm. physically abusive. She put it together. She said, well, my father was never there. Mm. He was never there. So, and, and also, the mother, or the right. mother figure, yeah. didn't like the father and didn't like what was going on. So the mother carries in her mind how a partner should be, whether it's male or female. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have a very good feeling about it, passed on to the daughter. So the daughter then gets the father who wasn't there, the mother who is not dealing with her issues, comes on to the daughter, and this one didn't realize she had become anorexic, mm -hmm. she was in a bad relationship, mm -hmm. couldn't study in her PhD program, so it comes out in many different many different ways. ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, yeah. that you know, I'm thinking of the other end of the spectrum because this is the absent father. Um, it 
it begs the question for me, what about when the father's there, but seems absent? How different or how similar could that be? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because Mm -hmm. when I refer to absence, I mean a physical absence and an emotional absence. Mm -hmm. I think if we... If we look at culturally, Mm -hmm. many fathers get off the hook because they classically, through the generations, were the ones who provided the money, Mm -hmm. provided the shelter, that's all they had to do. End of story. Mm -hmm. Emotionally absent. Many of them were tyrannical, not didn't know how to love. They didn't have fathers who knew how to love. Sigmund Freud had a father who didn't know how to love. Mm-hmm. So did Carl Jung have a father mm-hmm. who didn't know how to love. And so it gets passed on and passed on. But again, the important thing is, if the father is an unrelatable person, mm-hmm. unrelatable, then what happens to the daughter? Mm-hmm. She, she, it's like she's trying and trying to relate to him. She can't, and it becomes automatically, something's the matter with me. Mm-hmm. Um you just made me think of another question, of course. Every time you talk, I'm going to have um, you in, in the book and the title speaks of a daughter and a father. How different would that be if we have a son's father who's absent? Yeah. It have I'm asking myself, why did you, why? Um, what brought you to write with that um specificity or will the next book deal with sons i don't know if the next one will okay i get that question (laughs) but i get that question very frequently Mm -hmm. Uh, also from men Mm -hmm. um why i focused on the daughters Mm -hmm. probably has something to do with the fact that i am a daughter right of course as well as several friends of mine Mm -hmm. have absent fathers yeah absent um, emotionally a a variety of different absences you could say somebody who's alcoholic is also absent yeah I have a lot of colleagues who also have that experience and particularly in Jungian psychology Jung had four daughters Mm -hmm. he never spoke anything about daughters and fathers Mm. he had some myths or symbols very little attention, mm-hmm. and one essay on the father. Quite a bit on the mother, mm. not much on the father. However, you asked another part, which relates to the sons. Mm-hmm. In a very strange way, the sons suffer very similarly mm-hmm. with destructive behavior. I think they enact it perhaps differently. Mm-hmm. Pornography, mm-hmm. internet, Internet porn, mm-hmm. prostitutes, self-harm, mm-hmm. alcohol, drugs. So it's it's enacted in similar areas, mm-hmm. but, but I think that men and yeah, because men and women are raised still in quite diverse ways. Mm-hmm. You know, the the little boy will get the gun when he's one day old, and the little girl will get the doll. Yeah. Yeah, and they still Still. do get those things today. I know. (laughs) Not much has changed, yeah. No, no, it hasn't. So I think that what we could say is the 
what I'm trying to bring out is the importance of the Father. And when you look at absence, then you can find presence. And you find what you want and you need. And you find it, it, the absence is there to fill. And yes. that's the positiveness. Because you want to fill it, maybe not with an actual Father, but with something inside of yourself mm -hmm. that learns to value you. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I mean, this, we can create an entire um, book around just this little brief talk, but there's so much that I want to ask you. If you maybe we can come back to the book, but I'd like to move a little bit because on the topics that you have mentioned that um, you could talk about it, where your expertise extends over these, is yes. something that um, you call the body image. And why I'm picking this out is that um, mm -hmm. I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner, Feldenkrais um, method oh, practitioner, which works with uh, part of the interesting side to the method is the image of the self is redefined. The person gets a positive image of themselves, and it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, can yes. you mention, uh, I mean, you were nodding your head. I was so surprised you even heard of the Feldenkrais method. <laughs> of course, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I have found, not just me, mm -hmm. but I think it's being filled in more than it mm -hmm. was, is the focus on the body. Yes. So oftentimes people come into therapy and they think it's a head trip. Yeah. No, it's an entire being yeah. trip. Even as you said, it's like a realignment of the physical and the psychological self. Mm -hmm. So I notice that people will start, as they start to find themselves, they will be Their more body changes. balanced. Yeah. Yes. And they will learn to care for their bodies. Mm -hmm. Embodiment is something that is more and more in the analytical field being paid attention to. Well, how did and that come about? How did that come about? Uh, that you said it's more and more. So I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to guess. Yeah, sure. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if the whole analytical from the beginning of the 20th century was quite male dominated. Yes. In the mid to later 20th century, the movement of women, feminism, mm -hmm. bringing in the feminine, whatever that means, however we define mm -hmm. it, that is oftentimes related to the body. Not that masculine is not related to the body, yeah. but I think that one-sidedness mm -hmm. of this male focus yeah. has shifted and brought us you could say back to earth. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. Um, there was something called the, you know, working with the archetypes, there was something called the goddess movement uh, for many years, and I believe it was the 70s. And um, yes. it wasn't really religious-based or spirituality-based. And that started a new movement. Unfortunately, it didn't go very far. But um, that didn't, I don't believe it, aided much in terms of a self-image for the female. Um, no. And to this day, there's there's still so much uh, 
confusion about what a body is, you know, <laughs> that people even know what a soul is more than what their own body is, you know, and I, I'm so fascinated because I, I too, you know, realize that we have eyes in the front of our head. And since I cannot see my back, unless I look at it in the mirror, I can turn. I'm really not that sensitive to it. I'm, I don't, I'm not fully aware of where the spinal cord how it moves and what is there, you know, of course you have to study it. And when you become aware of the parts that you have, the movement then just becomes phenomenal. It just phenomenally eases up tension everywhere. And you start moving like an animal that we should, you know, follow in their footsteps. But, um, when um, people come, let's let's say talking about the image again, the self-image. Um, when you, well, let me ask you about your practice. When someone comes to you, let's say they come to you because they find you somewhere, or uh, they were friends of a client who comes to you. Usually, I've found with all of the, um, I've found that it's more word of mouth always. But when somebody comes to you and they come with a little idea, they don't may even not know what they need or what their problem is. How is your intake usually? Does it vary or do you have sort of a, a set way that you assess people or uh, talk to them or, or, or how does that work? Well, actually, um, so I want to go back to what you had said about the body mm -hmm. and your your um, quite um, picturesque description <laughs> of the body because it actually is the way the psyche comes together. Mm -hmm. So you could think of the back as the unconscious. Right. All the other body parts as different parts of the personality mm -hmm. that um, maybe got disjointed, mm -hmm. uh, not known, hidden, ignored. Right. And the whole process is exactly what you described. Mm -hmm. bringing the body and the psyche, so the personality together, and bringing consciousness to your body as well. Mm -hmm. I, and then going on to what you had said, I really don't have a particular intake mm -hmm. thing or uh, a regular whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm very, this is just me. Mm -hmm. I just go, where are you mm -hmm. and what do you want? Okay. And how right will directly. We, and how will we... Very direct. Very yes. direct. Yes. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. do you find that people are, um, they easily tell you what they need and what they want? I mean, they're open about it or is it like pulling teeth from, you know, some people may not be ready to talk. Do you find that sometimes? Yes, yes. I think it's an entire range. Mm -hmm. I would also say that interestingly enough, some people lie in therapy. So ah. They pay to lie. They pay to lie. Isn't and that fascinating? It is. Is it? it is. This reminds me when I was getting my PhD and I had my subjects, and um, my supervisor said, "Well, you're going to be experimenting, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And uh, you know, the the qualitative side, I would have to give them. You know, I gave them questionnaires, and they would talk about their work, right? And I said, "Well, what if they just tell me whatever they want?" You know, they're speaking about their work and they're assessing their own work. What about if it's just one-sided, isn't it? And he said, well, that would be relevant, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be relevant. But how can you pick it out? 
How can they pick out what? When people are lying. Ah, well, okay. So here we come, here we come back to how are the signals, what, yes. how do this analyst, how does the analyst use the signals of themselves to help somebody figure out themselves? So here we come to embodiment as well. Okay. A lot of people pick up in their body. This, you know, they get, oh, oh I feel this, this stomach, it, they, they feel it, the atmosphere, the person comes in, you can just kind of tell. Mm -hmm. There's another way you can tell. You're bored. So they're hiding under the boredom. Of course. When I, yeah, I want to go to sleep. I'm bored. So I will say, what are you not saying? Mm. What are you not saying? Yeah. And why are you not saying it? Because I don't think it helps to continue to deny what per somebody comes in mm -hmm. and is having trouble saying. <laughs> they have to say it. You have to be vulnerable in order to heal the wounds. Mm -hmm. But we all need encouragement. Of course. So of I course. don't want people to get away with lying in therapy. Well, that's interesting. I, I didn't, I would have never thought that. And it's interesting that you just came right out with it because I wouldn't think that that would be so prominent uh, a practice. I wouldn't think that people would lie. <sighs> If they well, came to you, you know, we, through their own free will, because they, you know, they weren't forced right. to. Well, you know, a lot of people learn to hide, and they learn from very early to hide the truth of themselves. And so, whoever or wherever they're at, they're always a little worried. I can't reveal myself. Mm -hmm. I can't be who I am. You'll reject me. You, you will. Yeah. You'll be mm -hmm. like the parents yeah. were. You'll be like the bullies were in school. So there, it's kind of in there. Through the process, they learn differently. But unless you face it, you don't learn anything else. So it's coming out. What's emerging in this talk is that all right, we started with the absent father uh, and the daughter and how uh, that could affect her. Uh, there's a you know wide spectrum of ways and then we talked about the body image and I'm thinking that they are really linked in the sense that improving somebody's uh, image of themselves would be therapeutic in some way in relation to why they come to you uh, typically even for well for anything I would imagine or no Oh, yes. No, it all goes together. Mm -hmm. We're all body, mind, and soul. So mm -hmm. that when something is off in one place, it's going to be off someplace else. Mm -hmm. And so if we correct, not correct, but put together mm -hmm. the pieces of ourselves, our physical self will improve as well. Mm -hmm. it, 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 I've seen it over and over again. But people have to do it in relationship because that's where... The problems began. What do you mean by that? In relationship. Hmm? People, what do you mean by people have to do it in relationship? Oh. In relationship yeah. Yeah. To, to themselves, to you, to who? To, to, to all of those that you said. Uh -huh. Because we, the wounds begin not alone. Mm -hmm. They begin very early mm -hmm. in relationship to the caregivers, the yeah. parents, whoever mm -hmm. they are. Things go off. How that gets corrected 
-hmm. is by being in a what would you call it a therapeutic relationship mm -hmm. not perfect one with flaws as well but a place where people feel they could safely discuss what's going on inside of themselves mm -hmm. by knowing they can do that they gain a sense of solidity also care of their body and also care of their psyche they mm -hmm. learn to pay attention to what's going on what is amazing to me is how many people have just synchronistic thoughts they have these intuitive feelings give me an example and they don't of that i'll give you an example of one that just happened two hours ago uh-huh i was speaking with someone who said you know i have this really uncomfortable feeling that something's going to happen at work mm -hmm. and so we talked about well what's going to happen I, well, you know, really, this job is not fulfilling me. I could do it. I'm not happy here. My creativity is not being developed. And a few minutes after we ended the session, which doesn't usually happen, this person texted me and said, I got fired. <laughs> so so they into it's, yeah. it's a stark example. Yeah. But, the, but intuitively... We talked about it because this person knew something was off. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about, okay, it's off, but you don't like it anyhow. Maybe there is an opening here. Maybe your intuition is leading you in right. the right direction. How fascinating. And so let's yeah, take just, this case just a moment. So you just spoke to the person. Was it male or female? The man. A man. So the man will come back to you, I suppose? And uh, for the man has second. come back for on and off for a long time. Yes. Okay, so he will be coming back after this happened, yeah. right? And so it, yeah. in reality, to me, as you were explaining it, it seems like such a breakthrough. And it could be spinned either or a number of ways because the person is probably feeling confused, <laughs> to say the least. But may be able to be uh, maybe uh, possible it might be possible for him to see it as a positive development that's what we exactly that's what we talked about so i mm -hmm. think again it's like it's not finding lemonade out of all the lemons because mm -hmm. that would be denying the shock and grief and right, everything right but it's also saying maybe this has happened for a reason a reason you want to follow your psyche, and your psyche will help you follow your body, and that will help you develop relationships, and they all come together. Okay, now we're on something new. Um, when you say psyche, it has a very specific meaning, and perhaps, uh, you know, I keep asking you for definitions, but it's important for listeners. Could you tell us a bit? Well, yes. So in Jungian psychology, when I refer to psyche, I actually mean conscious and unconscious aspects of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's really, to me, a, it's like a large picture mm -hmm. in which I am. Mm -hmm. So there's conscious and unconscious parts of me. And psyche, the word psyche, is from the Greek, and it means butterfly, and the butterfly is transformation. Mm -hmm. 
So to me, it's a beautiful word. Oh, yeah. 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 So we go back to the body and relationships because the word relationship keeps coming up. And we don't live without relationships, do we? Um, yeah. But there is, okay, you, you talk about relationship intimacy. Now, this is going one step further into a closeness of a relationship. And when you yes. talk of, of intimacy, is is that um, in relation to how difficult is it is for one person to come close to someone else? Or what, what do you mean by the intimacy of it? Is it physical, emotional, all forms of intimacy with another person? Yes. Yes. I think it's all forms. But the intimacy is not just how close we get to somebody else. It's also how close we get to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that, there's, there's a huge amount of honesty and an ability to accept the pieces that aren't so gorgeous, the parts that nobody really likes and wish they didn't have, but they have them. It's, it's not just a blind acceptance. It's like knowing this is what defines me. Intimacy is the uniqueness of who I am, and I am going to be my unique self with somebody else. Again, it's not 100% acceptance, nor is it 100% acceptance of oneself, but the ability to be open. You, you know, the, the use of the word wound was on purpose because it actually does mean that you open the space mm -hmm. and that's how it heals. So if you open yourself to yourself and to somebody else, that's intimacy as yeah. well. There's one thing in there, too, and that's one of the things I think that people can learn in therapy as well. Many ways they can learn it. They would learn it in body movement, how to be really knowing of where, where your body is, how to position yourself. It's very parallel. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say in, in, in addition to the body work that you do as mm -hmm. well. There's something about not rushing through. Yes. Yes. You're talking to a very fast person here. I do everything fast. And it was not by chance that I moved toward this discipline because it has brought me to understand many things. Many things. Yeah. Well, I would, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And I would say also that through COVID, many people that I see have said, I'm so glad, not for COVID, but now I have to, I can't rush around. I can't go all over the place. I have to stop. I just spoke to somebody yesterday as well who said the very thing you just said. Mm -hmm. I always want fast, fast, fast. And I know that these lessons are, I've got to slow. Down. Slow down. They slow down. And I'll say something more. I was just telling my tango teacher at Dance Argentine Tango, and um, he was saying to me, you know, you really have rhythm, you know, and you're really good with with the fast, uh, fast versions of tango, the, the longa style or the waltz style. But he says when there's that melody, the melodic, 
He said, you, that's where you have trouble. I said, I know it's so slow. It scares me. You know, <laughs> the slowness of it and, you know, the rubbing and all of that. I, I, I start, <laughs> it's, it's something I have to get rid of. <laughs> But the Feldenkrais is well, it's, my it's something. <laughs> it's something you want to integrate. But yeah. you know why I also said slow, is that that really is the analytic process. Oh yes, yeah, you course. don't do it in six sessions. And you, you don't do, do it, it over time. Mm -hmm. It's a constant mm -hmm. reflection, looking, examining, not negatively, but mm -hmm. so you expand. All the time, it's like your tango teacher said, yeah, yeah. expand here yeah. and it will add to your dance. Yeah, so that's yeah. really gorgeous. Yeah, it's actually. fascinating, though. It's fascinating. Um, wait, there, there's so much here. And I'll go on to another topic because you mentioned the repair to the personality. And now before yeah. my mind started imagining, I, I don't want to say anything because it's important to understand because... That means to me that it's possibly that a personality is flawed and it could be repaired. What what does that mean? You, yes, good question again. Yeah. You know, do you, have you ever heard of the Japanese art of kintsagi? Yes, I've read about it. Kin, mm -hmm. Okay, it's the same thing. The pot the pot breaks, and all the pieces are so all the pieces are there. You put them together with gold. Mm -hmm. So what you have created out of the exact same uh, pot is a different pot. The, the repair is to the wounded areas, to the cracks. You will always be able to see them, but now they have a different form to them. It's, it's also in alchemy. It's kind mm -hmm. of an old yes. medieval science where you cook things inside of the pot mm -hmm. you have got all the ingredients yeah put and them make together magic. that's when magic comes out and that also is the analytic process mm -hmm. same thing that's the repair it's not that you're not you're, you're not going to Flaw. remember mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. hard times or carry difficulties but you, but you see them, and they are kind of healed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they get totally healed, but they're healed <laughs> enough. Um, Maybe to become creative as hmm. well. There's another thing that, um, well, I'm I'm one of those people who journal and keep my pen and paper next to the bed because when I wake up, I write the dream right away. And uh, when, yeah, all the time. And um, you're, you mentioned the value of the unconscious to conscious life. And maybe we could talk about that a little bit because I've been having some weird dreams lately. <laughs> and repetitive yeah, you dreams. Know, have you really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think they're both, all dreams are important. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the easiest, not just me, one of the easiest ways to get in touch with what's going on in the unconscious is the dream world right. and journaling mm -hmm. and how you feel about it. When the dreams repeat, I always think it's interesting that the, you have to re repeat themes, mm -hmm. repeat yeah. figures, yeah. repeat scenarios, mm -hmm. and then it's like, why is it coming back? Yeah. What is not yet resolved? 
what is calling to you to look at it again yeah and why now okay? yeah so why today and then why three months ago what was yeah. going on yeah yeah so they're signaling to you yeah 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 and you listen and you listen yeah you know it's funny because the first thing i think of when i look at the dream and i see the characters the people who were there and the, the places that um, I go to and who's there, you know, I, I think, oh, well, that was because I watched that television series or that was because I did that. And, and it could be some little tiny piece, but, you know, the craziness of the dream world is so uh, bizarre and fascinating. Well, well, the dream chose the character in the YouTube video or the whatever, right. because that character resonates yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. So that so that's why it does that, and actually it's helpful oh, because yeah. you just saw it outside, and now you go, oh right, I have that in me. Mm -hmm. So I figure that they are incredibly um, helpful. Even the dreams that I might when I myself mm -hmm. can't stand, I know those figures. I go, oh my goodness, why is this one back again? <laughs> but then I get to figure out why. Yeah, yeah. I get to figure out why. Um, yeah. It does. Yeah. Uh, could a Jungian analyst think that um, there could be premonitory dreams? Premonitions? Oh yes. Uh -huh. I mean, is that something alien to to? Yeah. No, no. The 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 problem is that you only know it after the fact. Of course, of so course. So many ma many people have to. It's not unusual. They have a dream. So and so was in a crash or so-and-so was hurt, mm -hmm. or something happened. And I always say, you know what? Do you think you should contact them? So pay attention to the reality of the dream. Mm -hmm. It's symbolic, but it's also maybe, maybe it's telling you, pay attention. Mm -hmm. But you see, you- You don't know some until people, it happens. Mm -hmm. No, but you know, some people, the veil between the conscious and the unconscious is much thinner. Mm -hmm. And the amount of people who dream about disaster before it happens. Yeah, it's quite, quite a few. It's not unusual. Yeah. So oh, yeah. let's say yeah. that because in my, uh, in my practice as a psychic, and I work with a lot of different things, and um, I have to say that what I've come across with the people that I work with, uh, a good part are uh, premonition, but then there is the uh, fact of, you know, you in resonates with you because you've you know it's a different it's it could be how Jung would classify the dream world as and you know, bring it up to to our ideas our minds after we wake up would teach us many things that are unresolved but I have those two the premonitions and the working out uh, our issues in our uh, subconscious I'm but there is a third that I can't bring to mind now that is also that it, um, that dreams help. Is Does that make any sense? Is there anything um, in your practice that um, relates to some other form or, or some need or some um, something that dreams can correspond to? Because my, um, I, my experience is with premonition and the uh, personal uh, emotional and uh, physical issues that come up. Yeah, 
so I think what you're talking about in a way is the collective unconscious yeah. and the personal unconscious. Okay. And they both are valuable. Some people have more access to the collective unconscious. Yeah. You can tell that in their dreams. Some people have more access. They focus on going to the market. Looks mm -hmm. like the personal unconscious. Mm -hmm. All of them contain symbols, mm -hmm. and those symbols are ages old. Mm -hmm. Jung had many dreams, premonition of World War One. Mm -hmm. He had lots of, it would be like the veil between mm -hmm. the conscious and the unconscious was pretty thin. I think the point is how somebody handles it yeah. and really takes it seriously and listens to the warning that is in it. Because mm -hmm. I think some dreams really are warning dreams. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, they're alerting us mm -hmm. to something, not just personal, but right. really also collective. Something, something yeah. uh, that we're picking up, um, that, that our psyche is picking up. Um, maybe, yeah. oh, am I using that word right there that our psyche is picking up? <laughs> you, you are, but you already said that you're a psychic. Yes. So you, you, you pick up. The, yeah. All these layers yeah. that are around us, that are meaningful, we want to value. Too often, here's the problem with going too fast. Too often people just go by. Yeah. They, they forget that that has meaning right there. Yes. You know? And, no, and we yeah. need to pay attention. Well, there's yeah. another side to the coin of being psychic because there's so much out there that you really have to prioritize. I mean, I couldn't go to the supermarket and do my food shopping if I have to worry about all the things that are around me. I just have to concentrate because there's just so much around, especially <laughs> since COVID, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But I think part also of putting ones, um, so you can manage all of that. Yeah. You know about all those energies. Mm -hmm. Some people really need to learn to yes. manage it. Yes. And yeah. how, where does it start? How do they learn to start managing it? Because so many people come to me and uh, I don't know where to start sometimes um, because I'm not, a person who is uh, coaching. I will not coach people who uh, want to do mediumship. I do mediumship and channeling. I, I don't coach people to do that because it's beyond my, you know, you can't do thousand things, you know, so you can do something. But um, you say that it people have to learn to do that. But, you know, it starts from what they're, spiritual beliefs are and oftentimes they're you don't know where they start with their spiritual beliefs or their religious beliefs and you they say they for example um a person would say uh, i woke up and i saw my grandfather who is deceased sitting on the edge of my bed uh, he was there yeah. he was there right yeah and right. and so this person was so, so frightened because it reoccurred and it reoccurred. And they didn't have, uh, you know, set in their mind exactly what the afterlife could be if there were past lives, what happens to us when. And so they there was a lot of confusion in what a soul is and what the soul does, where it goes, you know. 
And um, so when you talk about they have to learn to manage that, my first instinct was thinking that people will literally go, they'll be insane, considered insane if they uh, have to deal with all of the energies around them. If, if I don't know if that's where you were going with that. No, oh, okay. no, no, it's more to manage the energy that a lot of other people don't acknowledge and know. So the one who saw, for instance, a grandfather on the, yes, of course that grandfather was there, but to give some kind of message. So mm -hmm. oftentimes people in Jungian work dialogue with different figures. Mm -hmm. the, the, really, what are you doing here? What's happening? Dream figures, figures like that. Um, you mean you have think you, you have your client, your patient, a uh, go dialogue. Okay. Dialogue. Okay. Dialogue. I mean, mm -hmm. you it's like you've got a journal, mm -hmm. so dialogue with that right. person, see what they want to say right. to you. Right. Use use the energy in a certain sense, concretize it. Right. Don't be afraid of it, mm -hmm. but also that is a person who needs to learn how to have their personality solid enough. Yes. To be able to do that. Dalek so dialogue. they would, yeah, and that would be the beginning. Feel more solid inside yourself because the grandfather is coming for reasons. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. fascinating. And we it could is. go it on is. and on and on, Susan. I know. <laughs> but I all know. things come to an end. All good things yes. do anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thank That's you true. so. And I do hope in the future we can cross paths again and have another chat because it would be, you know, I, we're just touching the surface here. I know. I know. Yeah. It's also interesting how, so this is the whole synchronicity, mm -hmm. how it was that I contacted you you contacted me back. Yeah. Uh, I'm other side of the world, yeah. not knowing, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we could say why and what has it brought about? Well, yeah. we hope yeah. it has brought about some excellent things and, and some, some learning. clarity well. and learning experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks yes. again for coming, Susan. I hope you Thank will be you. back on our show. I Bye -bye. do too. Thank you so much. Bye.